0: So if you've been waiting on that, uh, you have to wait a little bit longer. Genesis chapter 1 is where we're going to start this morning. Genesis and chapter 1, we've been talking about who is God, and we've looked at a a number of different uh, things about God. Today, I want to look at uh, who is God. He is a God of purpose, a God of purpose. and I want to look at five things, um, if I can use that one that wonderful word, uh, five things that we see God's purpose in uh, throughout Scripture. When I think of God, and when I was thinking about uh, this sermon series at the beginning of uh, of preparing for it, I was thinking about which direction kind of to go with this. You can go to the, the natural attributes of, of God that we know, the um, he's all-powerful, He's all-knowing, He's all-present, uh, those sorts of things. Uh, you can look at the different names of God and see different characteristics of God through the names that the Bible uses of Him. Um, but I think in, in nearly every page of Scripture, we see something about God. And I say nearly ever, there's some pages that are that are just... Uh, uh, you know, so and so begot so and so. And you can learn things from God in that too. So I should, maybe it's every page of the Bible. Uh, but nonetheless, we see all throughout Scripture things we can learn about God. But one of the things that always catches me, or always for whatever reason uh, um, encourages me, is that God, He's a God of order and a God of purpose. I was trying to think of the the best way to title this one, and so I I landed on a God of purpose. But I think you can can also say he's a God of order, and you can go into more details on that than what we're going to do today. But I see that uh, I was raised in a ministry, so I grew up in a camping ministry, church camping ministry. But I was raised uh, being taught the philosophy of ministry that for everything you do, you should have a purpose for it. It's not that everybody's going to agree with your purpose. It's not that everybody would do it the same way for the same purpose. But if you're going to do it, have a reason behind it. And uh, and I believe that God, everything that God has done, he's done with a purpose. He's done it on purpose. We had a theme uh, uh, two years ago. Uh, I believe it was now. Man, it's Hard to think it was that long ago, but uh, on purpose. And we looked at Daniel. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself uh, against God, and he chose. He had a purpose to do to do so. Uh, God does things on purpose, and I think when we look into not only the fact that God does them on purpose, but the purpose behind why God did them, I think we can we can understand God better and we can therefore worship God, honor God, obey God better as well. So I want us to see a couple things this morning. Um, Five things, five purposes, so to say. Um, I guess, I don't even know if that's the right terminology for it. But Genesis 1, obviously, we're looking at creation. When I look at creation, on top of the amazement that there was nothing before God began to speak it, on top of the fact that God was able to just simply speak it into existence and the time frame as well that he did, it's all amazing. But to look at the purpose or the, uh, uh, the design, the order in which God did so, it has to remind us that God doesn't just flippantly do things. God does things with a purpose. Let's look in Genesis 1. Um, Let's pray, and then we'll look at this. Don't really have a solid uh, just text passage today, so we'll, we'll pray first, and then we'll read. Lord, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that we can learn from it. Lord, we thank you for who you are. God, today I pray that we would better understand you, better know you, that we'd learn more of you, Lord, that we would see just the amazing detail uh, that you put in to what you do. Lord, that we may understand that you are not just a flippant God, but that you have order and purpose behind the things that you do. Lord, may that help us to better have faith in you, to better depend on you, and to better obey you. Help me as I present these passages this morning that I would do it clearly and that I would do it correctly, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to see number one today, uh, God's purpose, we can see it in creation. Genesis 1, and we won't look at everything that God created, but let's look in, uh, starting in verse number four, we'll look at uh, three things, really, through creation. Uh, First of all, in verse number four, it says, and God saw the light that it was good in verse number 3 he said let there be light and there was light verse number 4 he saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness and God called the light day and the darkness he called night and the evening and the morning was the first day i want to stop here this is not part of the message although now it is uh this is not planned part of the message people will try to to give you different theories on creation and i believe the bible to be true when the Bible says that the morning and the evening were the first day, I believe that to be a 24-hour period of time. I believe that God created the earth in seven literal days, six literal days, and on the seventh he rested. There will be people who tell you, well, there were actually many, many years between whatever, whatever. The Bible says the day and the night were, <laughs> were, were, were the first day. I believe that to be true. Going on, it says in verse number 14, if you'll skip over to that, and God said, Let there be lights in the firmament in the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let there them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light, "...to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and divide the light from the darkness, and God saw it was good." God was creating the earth. And in doing so, He starts here, and we read in verse number 3, that He said, "...let there be light, and there was light. And He divided the light from the darkness." Now, you know, it's funny because in my brain, well, if you have light, you can't have darkness, right? Uh, it's one or the other. You, can't, you can't, have, can't have them both at the same time. And God created the light. He divided it from the darkness, and there was a purpose behind the light. And we read in verses 14 through verses 18, there were two lights, main lights that he created, the greater one to rule the day, the sun, and the lesser one, the moon, to rule the night. And, uh, and he had the light for a purpose, He has it for, for verse 14 tells us, he'd use it to divide the day from the night, also to be signs and seasons, and for days and years. I am not a scientist by any stretch of the imagination. I enjoyed science class for the most part. Uh, I'm intrigued by certain things in science. But we see here that God developed, created uh, the light He did so for a purpose, so that now we have day and we have night. We have seasons. We have time. We have watches or phones now that tell us the time. For many years, people could tell the time by where the light was, where the sun was. And they had their sundials and their different things like that. Uh, Even today, people, if you get lost in the wilderness, you can use, if you know how to, a stick to figure out which way is north and which way is south by where the sun is. Uh, and where the shadow is off of the stick, um, I like these little survivor shows that people go out and try to to live for however long until they get rescued or whatever. I think it's neat. I've I've bought too many survival things now since I've watched those shows, um, and I cannot. But if you have a, a earbud, you can take the magnet out and tie it to a stick, and it'll it'll go north because of the compass. And I don't know how it works, but nonetheless. If I'm in the wilderness, I'm going to be like, that way is north. Great. What does that mean? I don't know. Um, (laughs) All right. Great. Uh, I was always just taught, go downhill if you get lost. That's the way I was taught as a kid. If you're up on the mountain and you get lost, just go downhill. You'll find somebody eventually. Uh, So, I don't know. But uh, anyways, God had a purpose between the light. God didn't just say... I'm bored. I don't know if you've ever heard a preacher say this. I have, and maybe I've even said it. I don't know. Uh, I hope not. But, uh, you know, or God's sitting there in heaven, and and he's just like there, and there's nothing there. It's just darkness. And he's like, I'm bored. I'm going to create a world. And he, so he throws out some people and some plants and some animals, kind of like we think of if you're building a little, I don't know, you see some of those trains that people build, and they've got all the stuff built around it and everything. And I think sometimes we minimize God in doing so. But God is creating the earth, and as He's doing so, He's placing things into the earth for purpose, for reason. I think that's important because at the end of the day, we're going to look at, at our purpose and understand that God didn't create light just because it's more fun than darkness. But God was precise in what He was doing. If you know, I'm sure you do, in the earth... I don't I don't know if you believe in aliens and stuff like that. We're not talking about that today. But earth, they say if it was any closer to the sun, it would be too hot to be livable. If it was any further away, it would be too cold to be livable. Uh, God is precise in what He's doing. He's got a purpose behind it. Is there a potential that there's life on another planet? That God created that and there's people living or things living somewhere else? Sure, I don't know, but... Um, but the way that God made me as a human being and the way that God made you, we have to have certain temperatures to live and certain uh, aspects around us, oxygen and things like that. God created all of that. and He did it precisely and with order and with precision and with purpose. He created the light so that we could have seasons, so that we could have day and night uh, for the longest time. Uh, nighttime would be the time you know, when the sun went down. Well, that was the end of the day. Couldn't work in the dark, so you'd work until, until the sun went down, and then you'd go inside. You, you knew when dinner time was. You knew when, when it was time to get up based off of the sun. And, uh, and so God has provided all these things. Along with that, you think as well, the way that God created the animals. There, there are nocturnal animals, animals that go out at night. God created the night to work for those nocturnal animals. And God created it to, to fit Uh, Each piece that he put into it. Look in verse 11. um, We see the plants that God created. He says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed, and fruit uh, tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. I'm telling you, if you think about, if you know anything about biology, if you know anything about um, uh, plants and how they work and how they reproduce, it is incredible to see the detail that God put into it. Here in verse 11, he says that an herb yielding seed and a fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind. Apple trees produce apple trees. How? Because they have seeds. Johnny Appleseed didn't come through and toss the seeds around and, and plant apple trees for the whole world. Now He may have done it where he lived, I don't know, but, but he didn't do it for the whole world. An apple tree can grow and and it can die, but there are seeds within that apple that God created so that another tree can grow, so that we can always have apple trees until the end of of the time here on this earth. He produced uh, uh, an herb-yielding seed so that it could reproduce, so that it would not just be there until it died and then no more. Now, are there things that have been wiped off the earth? Sure, there, there are. But that was for different reasons. But, but God created this world with purpose. Every aspect of this world had a purpose. Look in verse 29. It says, And God said, he's talking about with Adam now and Eve, And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. This is before the fall. And we see that God said, you have food. I have given you what you need to live. Now here he's talking to Adam, but but the reality is he also did that for the animals as well. That they have food to eat and survive. The New Testament talks about God caring for the, the birds. God dressing the flowers of the field. God had a purpose and a plan and a design before when He created this world to make it work and to make it work perfectly. If you were to study the human body, you can take different aspects of it. If you just take the brain and the nervous system of the body, it is absolutely incredible. For me, I can't comprehend it, but how the nervous system works and sends things where I can stub my toe and my brain tells me that hurt. You know, when I stub my toe, I don't think, hey, thank you, brain, for telling me that hurt. I just go, ow, that hurt. But if you start thinking about the detail of the, the human body and how it works, the muscles, the tendons, and how they work together, the bones and how they're connected and the joints, you think about these things. You can't just screw a board together, two boards together. They don't bend if you do that. What do you have to do? You've got to put a hinge on them so they bend. Well, God did that. For us. He said, here's a body. I don't want them walking around, you know, like this. So I'm going to give them some joints. Hey, lucky there. We move now. We're not the tin man anymore. God created with purpose and with plan and precision uh, the world, the universe. Look in verse 26. It says, and God said, let us make man in our image. I believe verse 26 is the first sighting or so to say of, of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's a whole other sermon as well. But he says, let us make. And I believe that we see different aspects of that in, in the creation of man. After our own image, he says, look in verse, uh, continue, it says, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the, upon the earth. People are more important than any other piece of creation. God designed it that way. God says you are to have dominion over everything else. Um, I know we have some cat lovers in our church, and, uh, and I know we have some dog lovers in our church, and I know we have some uh, car lovers in our church, and I know we have some other things that we love. People are more important. They are the top of God's creation. God created them to have dominion over all. <laughs> I have said many times over, I'm not for animal abuse, never would I be. But I kind of get sick of seeing commercials about save these animals when those same people are saying, kill these babies. It's disgusting. Um, somebody, uh, uh, a conservative, yeah, I don't know if he's a Christian. He's a, he professes to be a Christian, so I guess I should be careful what I say. But nonetheless, he put out on Twitter, and I don't think it was the, the wisest Move to make, but I understood his purpose behind it. He said, "My puppy is pregnant." I'm, I called the vet and asked them to to get rid of the the puppies because I don't want them. And what he was trying to do is to get the liberals to go crazy over you can't hurt puppies. They're, you know, and they realize, hey, well, you guys are trying to kill babies. It's all the you know, care about the babies is what he's trying to say. The point is is today our culture, it's not just America, it's the world. Today the culture is, you know, it's just about me. And nothing else matters. So if I care about puppies, well, then that's what I'm going to push to save. But if I don't care about your your baby, then I don't care about it. Kill it off. It doesn't It doesn't mean anything to me. God said, not only did I create everything with a purpose, and we'll look more into that in just a moment, and then our next point, but He says... I've created man and woman, human, to be the top of my creation. You ever heard the phrase, save the best for last? I don't, I don't know if that's, that's not biblical necessarily, but God said as He created man last, He said this is the cream of the crop. This is the best of my creation. He said you will have dominion over the rest of creation. That's why we cut grass and grass doesn't cut us. Well, I guess if you, some grass does. (laughs) That was a bad analogy. Uh, We are, we have dominion. God created us with a purpose. And we have to be aware because society is going to continue to try to infiltrate our mindsets. Let's be careful. Let's be careful to remember God has a purpose for us, it's greater than even dominion over the fish of the sea and over the creation that God has, has put us over. But we are an important part of creation, and there's a purpose behind that. We'll see that more in the coming points. Point number two, God has a purpose. Look in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 18. Uh, God has a purpose we see in creation. Also, we see God's purpose in marriage. It says in verse number 18, and to rule over... uh, No, that's not the right verse. Uh, Verse number 28 probably. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. I don't know why I had verse 18 on there. Nonetheless, verse 27, look in verse, um, well, I don't know why I did that. Anyways, all right, so we see that God created man, and he created woman, he created Eve. Um, I just heard a message on, on uh, Saturday morning uh, that, that touched on this fact. Uh, he was talking about parenting and raising parents, and he said, How old or how long had Adam and Eve, uh, how old were Adam and Eve when they got married? Anybody know? A couple hours? He was talking about experience, you know, life experience that we have over our kids. That's not why we are in charge of our kids, because of life experience. We're in charge of our kids because God put us in charge of our kids. But when he said that, I'd never thought about that before. How old were Adam and Eve when they got married? You know, we kind of assume, you know, they were, you know, I don't know, upper 20s, mid-30s, somewhere in there. I don't know, a couple hours old. We have a society that is telling us what marriage is. We have a Bible that tells us what marriage is, and there are two different things. The Methodists in the United Kingdom, I just heard yesterday as well in the drive home, are looking at changing their definition of marriage from what it is currently, a man and a woman uh, instituted for, for a lifetime, and to change that to match what society is because they say it does not match current society. And what is sad is, and that's, that's not us, it's the Methodists, but what is sad is that's where the churches are going today. Well, society doesn't match what we've always done, so we should probably change to, to match society. <laughs> no, and it's not even about what we've always done, it's what the Bible says. Sometimes we do things one way for a long time until we realize that's not the right way to do it. But nonetheless, we are right on this. On marriage, God created man and woman and for the purpose of marriage. I've always heard the joke, maybe you have too, He didn't create Adam and Steve, amen. He created Adam and Eve. Okay, that's true. But the point is this. God instituted marriage and he instituted it for a purpose for a reason one of the reasons and there's more than one one of the reasons and Adam and Eve were told to go and be fruitful and multiply you can't do that if it's not a man and a woman I was going to and I forgot to I was going to bring an extension cord today and show you the easiest example possible but on each end of the of an extension cord you have they look different do they not and there's a reason for that. One of them has to be plugged into the wall and the other one has to be a, a point that something else can be plugged into. If you have those and you go to the, the hardware store and you say, this end is broken, I need another one, they refer to one end as a female end and one end as a male end. If you have two male ends of the extension cord, the extension cord is completely worthless. If you have two female ends of the extension cord, the extension cord is completely worthless. Isn't it funny that society can say, hey, that extension cord is helpful and useful because it can do its job when it has a male end and a female end? But then we go to society and to human beings and we say, well, it's okay. No, no, it's not. When the Bible is talking about homosexuality in the New Testament, and I believe in the Old Testament as well, um, it refers to the point that it's unnatural. It's not the way that God created it. It does not work. And We have to, this is, it's a very touchy subject today. I have family members that the conversation is just really awkward and really hard. And I know that they've been hurt, and I know that we've been hurt because of it. But at the end of the day, I have to match the Bible. And if I say, well, I know the Bible says it's wrong, but, but hey, you're in love. Well, what have I done for them? Nothing, nothing but hurt. I've not helped them if I say, well, it's okay because you're in love. No, it's not okay. You can use different examples. It's, it really oftentimes will not matter if you're talking to someone who's in the middle of it. But, you know, I can be in love or I can love something. It doesn't mean it's good for me, right? It doesn't mean it's right, always. And God says, I have created this and I've created it with a purpose. God has a purpose behind what He does, and there's reasons for it. And God says, when you go against my purpose, it's not going to work. God had a purpose, and we see it in creation. God had a purpose, and we see it in marriage. Male and female, it's the way that God made it. It's the way that it works according to fulfilling the purpose that God had for it. Number three, I want us to turn to Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50 kind of shift gears a little bit on this point. And we've talked about this in the past, so I don't know that we'll spend a lot of time on it this morning. Genesis chapter 50, look in verse number 19. Towards the end of the chapter, towards the end of the book, it says, And Joseph said unto them, you remember Joseph, right? He's talking to his brothers. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am in the place of God or excuse me, for he's asking the question, for am I in the place of God? He says, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. I want us to remember God has a purpose for the things that he allows to come into your life. Joseph is one of the neatest examples of this. If you'll turn back to chapter 37 in Genesis, and we'll kind of see a little bit of the lead up to this event we remember Joseph, uh, his dad, maybe not the best dad in the world. He had a favorite, a clear favorite. You're not supposed to have favorites, and if you do, you're not supposed to let anybody know about it. Uh, Joseph's dad had clear favorite. Joseph was his favorite son. One of the ways he showed that is he made Joseph a, a unique jacket, a unique coat, a coat of many colors. We know the story. Joseph had some dreams and he shared them with his brothers and he even shared it with his dad. And his dad said, why are you telling everybody this? Be quiet. Look in Genesis 37 and verse number 19. It says, and they, Joseph's brothers, said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now therefore and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Reuben heard it. He delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit uh, that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him that that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again." Look in verse 23, And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Skip over to verse 27. Come and let us sell him, they say, to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, and our flesh and his brother were content. Joseph comes, they say, let's kill him, Reuben. Wisely says, let's not kill him. He yeah, had the intention to deliver him back to his dad again. They throw him in the pit. The Ishmaelites come. They sell him to the Ishmaelites. Why? Because they didn't want to be guilty of his murder. If he died under the Ishmaelites, they didn't care. They didn't care if he died. But if he died under the Ishmaelites, at least it wasn't under their hands. Okay. So, in all of that, at what point do you think Joseph's brother says, Hey, this will be good for Joseph? <laughs> Not once. Nothing in these actions or these thoughts at any time were good for Joseph. Let's kill him. How is that good for Joseph? It's not. Let's throw him in this pit. How is that good for Joseph? Well, maybe it will rid him of his dreams. No, it was not good for Joseph. Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. How is that good for Joseph? Well, he had lived. And now he's going to live in slavery and probably die. None of that is good for Joseph. Yet when Joseph's brothers come and stand before him and they are without food because of a famine, there was a leader that God gave wisdom to that said you need to store up food because there's a famine coming. Joseph's brothers come. They need food. There's a whole long story behind that. Joseph kind of plays with them a little bit. And, uh, but he sees they understood what they did. He sees the love they had for their dad, the love they had for their brother, uh, their younger brother. He, He eventually reveals himself to them. The family gets reunited, but then the father dies. And that's where we are in chapter 50. The father dies and they go, this is not good. Our dad is now dead. What's to keep Joseph from finally getting his revenge on us? And Joseph says to them, you meant it for evil, but God had a purpose behind it. God meant it for good. We go through life and we go through different struggles and we go through different things and, and, and we just go, this isn't good. Now, if it's because of our sin, it isn't good. It's a consequence, which can be good in the end, the consequence but it's not good. When we do things, we're trying to do them for the good of ourselves oftentimes, and it ends up badly. But if we'll follow God, because you watch Joseph's life, it's incredible. It's a true story. You watch Joseph's life, it's incredible. You don't, when, he's, when he goes to, uh, into slavery, he's bought by Potiphar. And what happens? He, he immediately rises, rises and gets promoted within Potiphar's house. He does things the right way, consistently, just does what he's supposed to do. God takes care of him at every step of the way. Potiphar's wife lies about him. He gets thrown into prison. He immediately rises, gets promoted in prison, and he has the God's hand on him every step of the way and he is wise enough to see God protected him. God provided for him. God took care of him. So much so that when he had the opportunity, and no one, not even I, would blame him for killing his brothers or for putting them into slavery, he said, guys, don't worry. I'm not God. I'm just Joseph. You may have meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Had you not thrown me in that pit, I wouldn't have been able to give the advice to store up the food for the famine that was to come and our whole nation would be wiped out. You see, we go through different things, but we need to understand that if we're obedient to God, God has a purpose for what's going on in your life. And even though Satan may mean it for evil, maybe uh, someone else in your life might have meant it for evil, God's got a purpose for it. Be faithful and let God's purpose play out the way it's supposed to. Turn with me to John chapter 3. We see God's purpose in creation. We see God's purpose in marriage. We see God's purpose in Joseph's life. And what we learn there in John chapter 3, we see God's purpose in sending Christ to this earth. John chapter 3, uh, starting in verse number uh, 14. And it even goes further than this, but we see in verse 14, he says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, what's he talking about? Moses was with the children of Israel, and there were snakes that were sent in, and they bit the people and they were, they were dying. There was no cure for the, the venom they were being bitten with. And God told Moses, make a serpent out of brass and put it on a pole and stick it in the camp. And any person who will look at that will be healed. Years and years and years and years later, God says, just as Moses put a brass serpent on a stick, I now put Christ on a cross. He says in verse 14. As Moses lifted up the uh, serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God, there's a purpose, for God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, because there will be people back then who will believe that He's here to judge. There will be people today who will tell you He's there to judge. God says there's a purpose for it. It's not to condemn the world, not this time, but that the world through Him might be saved. God has a purpose for everything that He does. He had a purpose for sending His Son to this world. At that time, it was not to condemn the world, but that the world would have a serpent to look to, so to say, on the stick. Because we're being bitten by a venom that is incurable otherwise. Sin. And God said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, now the Son of Man must be lifted up. And those who will look on Him, who will believe on Him, they will have eternal life. They will have everlasting life. God has a purpose. We see it in creation. We see it in marriage. We see it in Joseph's life and we see it in Christ's life. Lastly, I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 28 and to remind us, we've talked about this a lot, but to remind us that God has a purpose for our church. He has a purpose for our church. He's sharing here with the disciples, but I believe it is a commission given to every Bible-believing church in the world. In verse 19 it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth, the world excuse me, amen. God has a purpose for our church. We're going to talk about this more in the afternoon service. But God has a purpose for our church, and and although I don't know the, the end result of our church, I don't know the, uh, the ministries that we will have in the years to come. I don't know the, the reach that we will have in the years to come. I know this, that God has a purpose for our church and is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But not just that, it's baptizing them after they, they believe on Christ. Then it is teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. What has God commanded you to do? He's commanded me to read my Bible study the Word, to get to know know God on a personal level. He's commanded me to pray and to talk with God on a consistent basis. He's commanded me to go into all the world and tell them about Jesus. God says for us as the church, I have a purpose for you. It is to reach the world with the Gospel. It is to sow the seed. When people Accept the gospel. It is our job then to teach. Sadly, for years, I would say, maybe before this time, but I would say especially in the last 20, 30, 40 years, churches have had a lot of problems with saying, hey, someone got saved. Praise the Lord. And Within weeks or months or years, they're nowhere to be found because no one took them in and said, okay, now this is where we go next. The Great Commission is more than the Gospel. It is more than someone being saved. Being saved, we rejoice every time someone is saved. We never look down on that. But the Bible says don't stop there, now teach. Show them what's next. How do we know what we're supposed to do? We have to learn. And is it not easier to learn when we have a teacher? Someone can be saved and they can read their Bible and God can can teach them and grow them through their Bible. But a lot of the people that we'll see saved don't have a Bible. Today's time, it's not near as common as it used to be for Bibles to be in homes. Okay, well, I have a Bible. Now what? Read. Okay, well, where do I start reading at? The natural thing is the first page, right? Genesis chapter 1. Well, and that's fine. And that's good. But you know, pretty soon they're going to run into Chronicles. And they're going to go, what? <laughs> what? What is this? I always encourage new believers to start in John. And after John, I encourage them to go to Romans. And then after Romans, we'll see where they are, or, you know, what, what they're trying to learn, what they are learning. And we can go from there. Maybe then it's a time to go to Genesis. Uh, whatever it may be. But the point is, they need someone to help them a little bit, right? Well, what now? Well, you need to be in church. Why? So you can learn. So we can grow. And so the Bible is being taught, and so we can can gain from that. There's a purpose for the church. The church is to evangelize, to get the gospel out. The church is to disciple, to train, to, to, to teach, so that people can grow for the ultimate purpose of them going out and doing the exact same thing, evangelizing and discipling, training and teaching. God has a purpose. God is a God of purpose and we see it in different ways. We see it in creation with the preciseness and the detail of God's creation. We see it in marriage. That what is. Uh, the purpose behind it, why it's there, why it works, and why it doesn't work when we don't do it God's way. We see it in Joseph's life, and a great example he is for us, and no matter what bad is going on, if I'm faithful, God will bring me out. We see it in Christ and His coming to this earth, and we see it in our purpose that well, we have a purpose, I hope it helps us to understand that church isn't just here to make us feel good. I hope there are times that we leave and we just feel good. I hope that there are times that we come to church and we leave and we just say, boy, I'm just so glad I came today. I just I feel refreshed. I feel good. I hope there are other times that we leave and go, boy, I just feel dirty. Like God has just really beat me up today. He showed me where I was wrong. He showed me where I needed to get right. I always pray that God challenges us, that we we leave challenged to do more to do better. But ultimately, the purpose for this church, we're doing it today in training through preaching the Bible. We're doing it in the other classroom with the kids and teaching and training the Bible. But it's our job to go out and get more people, evangelize, train, disciple, bring them up so that they can go out and do the same thing. God has a purpose behind everything that He does, May we not forget the purpose that He has for us. And may we fulfill that purpose according to the way that God desires for us to. Lord, we thank You and we love You. You are good to us. And God, we pray that You would help us as we need Your help. And God, may we depend on You. May we lean on You. May we understand Your purpose for our lives And Lord may we fulfill it to its fullest Yes we make mistakes But Lord help us not to uh, Help us to understand That when we make that mistake That we come to you Lord that you forgive us You're faithful to always do so And then Lord help us to get back to doing What we're supposed to do Lord I pray that this church Will fulfill its purpose (coughs) In the timing that you have set for it Lord bless us Use us, grow us Lord, that we can be more for you. I pray for these other things that we've talked about today. I pray that we would see and understand in creation, your design. Lord, I pray that in a time when we are being told, you're not allowed to say that about marriage. Lord, I pray that we'd be faithful to stand on the truth of the Bible. God, that we would guard our hearts and our minds, that we would guard our children and their hearts and their minds. And Lord, that we will stand for truth. God, I pray that we we'll look at Joseph's life and the example that he's given to us. Lord, that as we are faithful to understand, you have what is best for me in mind. So, Lord, may I be faithful to follow you. Lord, I thank you for the sending of your Son to this earth. Not to destroy it and not to condemn it, but, Lord, to save it. And, Lord, I'm so thankful for my parents that you put in my life that were faithful to share the gospel with me, for the pastor and the church that you put in my life as a young child, for the ministry that you put in my life as a young child, where I heard consistently the truth of the gospel until I understood my need for it. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be faithful, to be thankful for your saving grace. Lord, I pray that you would help us as a church, again, to fulfill your purpose for us. And Lord, you will get all of the honor and you will get all of the glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, thank you for your good attention this morning. Uh, let's go ahead and get set up for lunch, and once every.